Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly Podcast here on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Joining me, as always, glad to welcome back to the conversation Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, it's great to be back with you here post-Labor Day weekend. A lot to catch up on. I know it's a busy fall agenda for Congress, and we'll speak a bit further to that later in our conversation, though. uh, Great to be back with you today, Shane. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. No, Dan, thank you for having me. It's good to be back with you, and I hope you had a great Labor Day. Likewise, and of course, a lot to catch up on on many fronts. Maybe we can begin uh, before we get into a couple of domestic issues later in the conversation. Do you want to acknowledge coming up this weekend, India will be hosting the G20 summit. I understand that President Biden currently making his way there. And of course, there's been a lot of buzz surrounding headlines that China's Xi Jinping will not be in attendance, a notable development there. From your vantage point, what's the significance there? Does that signal anything? And further, any points of interest in particular that you'll be monitoring during the summit? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's an interesting uh, development that uh, uh, President Xi won't be at the G20 meetings. It could be a number of things. You know, um, China is going through a whole host of domestic issues that are, you know, kind of top and front and center for Xi that um, really uh, requires attention. Uh, additionally, there are tensions between uh, India and China, you know, and these tensions are not new. Um, they've been particularly heightened for the past about three years when there was a little bit of a skirmish on the India-China border and you know, uh, a few dozen troops uh, were killed. Um, so, you know, th- this is interesting and noteworthy. Um, not sure what the exact reason for it, but, you know, it does uh, present other challenges. You know, um, it would have probably been productive for President Biden and, and Chinese President Xi to meet on the sidelines and try and continue um you know, uh, mending fences, and that obviously won't happen. But, you know, we have to keep in mind it's not that China is not participating at all. Uh, they are sending someone who would be uh, quite monumental if China, you know, was not to participate uh, in any way. But, you know, while the other leaders will be there, uh, there will be a number of topics discussed. Obviously, the G20 is, you know, primarily focused on economic issues, but they'll still delve into other issues, you know, like uh, climate change. And I, and I think, you know, kind of going back to China for a second, you know, they will, many of the nations are going to try and uh, push back on China. And, of course, at the same time, you know, um, President Putin of Russia will not be in attendance, and, and that is noteworthy as well. So it'll still be a very interesting um, uh, G20 summit that I know India is very excited to be hosting and, you know, putting a lot of effort into it. I think one kind of uh, thing that should be noted is that usually these summits end with, you know, a group communique where all the nations sign off on. That is unlikely to happen. Um, I think uh, Russia will block any communique, you know, because uh, they will not uh, feel that they have been accurately represented for their view of the war in Ukraine. So, uh, you know, this won't be as uh, unifying as 
as you know we traditionally see uh, in these G20 summits. But I think you know um, the U.S. and other countries may band together and in other forms of unity. Sounds like it will be a productive weekend. A lot of topics will be covered. Certainly, we can follow up on this, provide some takeaways in a future conversation, though. Thank you for the preview, Shane. Maybe we can stick with geopolitics for a few more moments. Do want to point out how recently we have seen some headlines of this surrounding a planned or potential meeting later this month involving North Korea's Kim Jong-un, as well as Russia's President Vladimir Putin. Uh, This on potential arms sales. Notable development here. Has there been any response from the U.S. on this report and what might be the repercussions should something like this materialize? Yeah, this is uh, an interesting development. You know, it, it looks like um, Kim Jong-un, the uh, dictator of North Korea, is probably going to be traveling to Russia, most likely uh, Vladivostok, which is in the uh, far east uh, part of Russia. Um, and he'll likely take a 20-hour train uh, from uh, North Korea to Vladivostok. And at that point, he's uh, likely to meet with uh, Russian President Putin, who um, will probably be, as I said, uh, missing the G20 summit. And this is probably going to be the time uh, will overlap. And, you know, I think this is, from their perspective, mutually beneficial. You know, Russia is looking for ammunition and arms uh, for their war in uh, Ukraine. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, North Korea has had a very hard years because a few hard years because of the lockdowns they've imposed during COVID. Um, you know, that's been a pretty big setback. You know, from everything from advanced technology to um, famine. So I think you know they'll be looking uh, to Russia for you know uh, some security when it comes to uh, food and reinforcement reassurances maybe on energy and technology. So, you know, I think uh, both sides may see see a benefit to them reaching a deal here. But you're right to note that, you know, the United States is um, uh, watching this and and already pushing back. And you've seen um, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, among others, really push back and say, you know, uh, that Russia and the North Koreans should not uh, ha- have this meeting come to such an agreement. Um, and if they do, there will be consequences, uh, likely further sanctions on North Korea and Russia. But, you know, I think they don't want, you know, if, if you're Jake Sullivan or another representative, you're not going to spell it out what you're going to do in, in retaliation for um, such a uh, meeting and potential agreement between the two nations. But, I think, you know, the the U.S. is very concerned about this uh, meeting and watching it very closely. Definitely something to monitor, given the potential implications should such an agreement take shape. Uh, I do want to come back stateside for a few moments. There is focus on a potential strike by the United Auto Workers, UAW, this set for next week, potentially. I understand that the White House has been in touch with negotiating parties. Where does that stand as of today? Yeah, uh, so we're about a week away from a potential strike here. And this is the UAW, which represents about 150,000 workers for the big three uh, automakers. Um, And, you know, obviously the the, uh, UAW is trying to get, you know, uh, big pay raises and other things in in new contracts. Um, You know, I think 
there are um, there was a little bit of frustration from the UAW leadership when you know um, a few days ago President Biden tried to uh, play down this to some extent and say you know he wasn't worried about a strike until a strike happened. Um, so UAW leadership has um, tried to put more urgency on this and you know the need for it. I think you've been starting to hear more and more about this, and you will in the coming weeks especially for the markets, because, you know, a shutdown um, of these big three automakers, essentially, it could cost the economy billions of dollars, uh, especially if a strike were to, um, you know, last uh, longer than a week. So, you know, I, I think, you know, we're going to see some progress probably start to be made, you know, over the weekend and or maybe early next week. But right now, uh, at this moment, I think, you know, we need to uh, keep an eye on it. And then, you know, uh, next week it'll get more intense and hopefully there'll be a resolution before there uh, is an impact on the economy. Yeah, something we can keep our eyes on. Interesting to think about the economic considerations of this. So something we'll perhaps follow up on next week. Another domestic issue circling back mentioned of Congress at the top of our conversation. We did speak a couple of weeks ago to outline for our listeners what the fall agenda has in store for Congress. It's quite substantial. So fast forward to today. Congress did return this week with a busy schedule ahead of them. Top of the list, perhaps for lawmakers, is working to avert a government shutdown later this month. So this is something we'll probably continue talking about, though. Where do negotiations stand today and what might we expect to see over the next few weeks? Yeah, no, you're right. We're just a few weeks away, October 1st, um, if there is no um, deal in place or a short term uh, solution in place, you know, there could be a government shutdown. Um you know, which leaves a very compressed timeline when you think about, you know, the House is not in session this week, the Senate is, and then you have, you know, the Jewish holidays coming up. Um, so, you know, Congress is not going to be in session all that many days um, between now and the deadline of the end of the month. So, you know, what you're seeing is in the Senate, you know, bipartisan bills start to move along. Um, and senators are trying to package a few of them together so that they can really um, kind of lead, we'll say, in what they think will be the ultimate solution, because the ultimate solution has to be bipartisan. When you have a Republican House, Democrat-controlled Senate, and uh, President Biden, who's a Democrat in the White House, we know that the end solution will be bipartisan. So, you know, I think the the Senate is trying to kind of move ahead and get there already. Where in the House you have... Uh, Republicans, especially on the far right, taking a much harder line. You have um, a couple dozen Republicans who are really digging their heels in the sand and want government uh, funding to include uh, provisions related to border enforcement and immigration reforms, uh, the, quote, de-weaponization of the Justice Department, and, and a few other things. So, you know, a lot of those things can't be in a bar bipartisan bill. So um, we're, we're trying to, you know, I think, see how this plays out. But, you know, Speaker McCarthy has has a little bit uh, of um, uh, an interesting scenario, and it, that puts him in the, the hot seat where he has to, you know, kind of show some backbone to these hardcore Republicans, but also figure a way out and, you know, eventually come to that bipartisan solution, which will... Uh, like I said, put them in the hot seat with these uh, conservative members of, of the House. So, 
it's going to be a fluid uh, few weeks. You know, we think the most likely scenario at this time is some kind of short-term funding solution to November and December um, that, you know, kind of even uh, funds level, uh, excuse me, funds uh, government operations evenly at their current levels. And then in the meantime, they'll kind of uh, figure out this bipartisan solution to fund government operations for the remainder of the fiscal year. But we, we cannot rule out a uh, government shutdown at this point. But, you know, we, we think that's um, uh, lower on the probability scale at this moment. Okay. Well, thank you, Shane, for helping us with those expectations as to what the weeks ahead might have in store. It sounds like quite the balancing act for House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. But, of course, we'll continue to keep our listeners, our clients informed as this all progresses. Uh, Shane, as always, great catching up with you. Thank you for covering all of the ground that you did with us today. And do look forward to picking back up with our conversation again next week. Thanks for having me, Dan. Look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you, Shane. Today we have been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy. I do want to remind our listeners, our clients of UBS, that the latest Washington Weekly publication can now be located up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. If you are a client of UBS, simply reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy directly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.